Presentation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30pm for our weekly discussion. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with The Bible Unmasked. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of The Bible Unmasked. Um, if you have, if this is your first time tuning in, The Bible Unmasked is ultimately a Bible study. And what we're doing here at Plantation SDA is we are going to read the entire Bible through um, 2021. Each episode that we read is aired on Sunday nights on YouTube at 7.30 and on PlantationSDA.tv. And what we're doing is each week we're sharing a plan that tells you exactly what chapters we're reading and uh, a host like myself plus one of the pastors will go through the questions and just give you a little bit of deeper insight into what it is that's really happening in that, in that segment of the Bible that we're covering. Um, so if you have not subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe to Plantation SDA's YouTube channel so you can be automatically notified of any future episodes or any other live stream. So. This afternoon, we have Pastor Kevin McCoy. He's Thank here you. with me. Welcome, Thank welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we're going to be going through Isaiah 38 through 59. But before we begin and go into everything, Pastor McCoy, could you pray for us to begin? Certainly. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for the privilege to study your words. We ask for your Spirit's guidance and inspiration that as we reflect on these questions, we will not just answer them, but be able to grow from the answers that we receive. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So before we begin, we'd like to kind of just touch on really quickly what we covered last week. So in last week's episode, episode 31, we covered Isaiah 12 through 37. So Pastor McCoy, could you briefly just remind the viewers about what we discussed last week? In right. So for last week, we look primarily on... Hezekiah's life we looked at also some oracles and by oracles you know it's another word for prophecies in terms of how though how and mostly most likely mostly oracles of, of judgment or warning um, because the book of Isaiah has this kind of trajectory where it moves from oracles of judgment to oracles of salvation as you observe um, um, this in this episode so last week was reflecting on that and the role um, Hezekiah played in that and his his life in particular okay. Nice. Okay, so this week, as I quickly mentioned, that we are going to be covering Isaiah 38 verse, um, sorry, Isaiah 38 through chapter 59. Uh, so, could you give a brief overview of what we're going to cover, and then we'll go into some of the questions that we received. Right. So, as we, as I mentioned, we, we saw where there were oracles against the nations, warnings against Israel, warnings against the nations. Now we are seeing where God is coming is this this mighty warrior, this mighty savior coming in to save Israel and this this salvation is portrayed as a new exodus. Um, this is a, a major theme um, in this section we're studying where God's going to be doing a new thing. Um, all of this is portrayed as another exodus because Israel is now in captivity mm -hmm. and they're hearing these words, these prophecies, these oracles of salvation which are coming in the form of taking and borrowing ideas and motifs from the Exodus experience to encourage the people of God um, to have faith and hope. Oh, okay. That sounds like an exciting segment. So the first one is taken from Isaiah 38 verses 1, 3, and 5. And it says, In those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. 
the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order, because you're going to die. You will not recover. Remember, Lord, how I have walked faithfully before you and with wholehearted devotion and have done what's good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. So the question is then, Isaiah initially prophesied that Hezekiah would die. Mm -hmm. But after Hezekiah prayed, Isaiah prophesied that God would add 15 years to his life. Can we change a prophecy through prayer? Let's start with the big question. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> is a, this is a really interesting one. And I, and I like what this phrase, can we change a prophecy through prayer? Um, as we look at the text in its context, um, when you look at the reason God actually answered um, Hezekiah's prayer was God's own will, mm -hmm. God's own desire to hear and to answer. God, well, in the way this is phrased, it's not phrased as a conditional prophecy. Some prophecies are conditional. If you do this, um, this will happen. If you don't, then this, you know, this one is not phrased as a conditional prophecy. Mm -hmm. There's no, if there's no condition, it simply says, set your oath in order, you're going to die. That's it. Right? And then he prays. Um, so, based on the text itself, the only reason God changed the prophecy was not a condition that Ezekiah fulfilled or didn't fulfill mm -hmm. it was God's own grace and mercy mm -hmm. God's own desire to hear and answer a prayer mm -hmm. right and so that is encouragement for us right that even when a prof a, a prophecy or a word of God comes to us so so straight so so pointed mm -hmm. that God can still hear or cry look at our human frailty or our uh, 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 all of our, all of that, and still see, and still have the the compassion to forgive us. So it's nothing Isaiah um, Hezekiah did, but pray. It wasn't, you know, he, you know, he, in his prayer he mentioned how he served God and how he, it wasn't that because it was not a conditional prophecy. It was a, con set. it was a, it was set. It was simply an act of mercy and grace that God answered his prayer. So then the next one comes from Isaiah 42, verse 1. And that one says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Who is the servant described in this verse? Who are you talking about? All right. So, 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 so I can tell you that books, mm -hmm. and I mean seriously, like this, this figure of the servant of God in the book of Isaiah um, books have been written on them, on this figure, and I said them because it's really not one person okay. or one entity. It depends on the context because in some instances, the servant of God represents an individual and sometimes represents a community, mm -hmm. right? In certain circumstances, it represents Israel. Sometimes it's talking about um, a figure that comes in the form of Moses. Okay. Um, so it depend. It really depends on the context. And in Isaiah, there are four servants. Um, they call them servant songs, okay. right? That sing the praises or, or prophesy or tell about this servant coming, coming to do God's work. Um, and so when you read in 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 our text here, I, Isaiah 42, um, it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will cry and lift up a voice. Now, 
in this context, um, as I said, and I have to say it how it really is, there are still discussions as to whether this is a individual or this is a community, mm. right? As I mentioned, it depends on the context. But what is what the emphasis has been placed on interpreting the, these these you know servant psalm is mostly what the role of the servant will be, okay. right? So sometimes um, we try to find identity, um, but the, the author of the book itself is not altogether clear on the identity but the role and the function is 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 very clear mm -hmm. um so the servant is is this figure coming in in some instance as a messiah in some instance as a prophet as some instance as israel being witness to god's power okay. and, um to the to the heathen nation so you know but but notice but notice um in the New Testament, mm -hmm. um, John the Baptist comes, and the, the New Testament writers portray John the Baptist as this figure that was prophesied of, mm -hmm. right? Coming in and preparing our way, um, you know, preparing our way to one whose spirit is upon, and we're going to get to that. Okay. Um, but in the New Testament, also, you find that Jesus is portrayed as this as this servant right here, okay. right? If we're bringing the New Testament into this interpretation. We can say that this this is per, per, uh, is telling of the work that Christ would do because in the Gospel of Matthew, particularly in verse chapter 12, 18, 21, we see where these words are spoken of of Christ and His work in work in, in the Gospels. Okay. So, if we are if we are taking the New Testament as an aid for interpretation, then we can say this indeed speaks about Christ and His work. Nice. Okay. All right. So then the next question kind of a, a summary so it says could you just provide a brief summary of what's happening in Isaiah 51 through 54 but then more specifically people want to know who is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 right um, and see so you come again to the servant again right yes, because who, this is, who are we talking about <laughs> right, here right so the, the these 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 chapters um, follow the trajectory of, of the major part we're looking on and we're going to talk about first Isaiah, second Isaiah, third Isaiah which we'll, we'll get to but we notice that um, 51 in summary is, is speaking about the promised blessing that God will give upon Israel mm -hmm. right remember in the in the previous chapters we're looking at oracles of judgment oracles of warning but now um, having passed through chapters 40 and so forth where the this concept of God doing a new thing in the form of a, a new Exodus and Exodus 2.0, um, you know, we find now where God is is giving hope and comfort to the people. So, in 51, the emphasis is on God's promise of blessing and God's fulfilling those blessings. Um, 52, 53, we're talking about the suffering servant, and this is kind of a unique concept to have us someone suffering vicariously on behalf of another mm. um, but if you look in, in, in this text um, let, me, let me just highlight something um, often we take this as and as again if we take the New Testament as an aid to interpretation mm -hmm. we are going to say this suffering servant is Christ okay right um, mm -hmm. but in the context of of Isaiah in chapter 52 53 um, here's our portrays it becomes See, my servant shall prosper, he shall be exalted and lifted up and be very high. Just as there were many who were astonished at him, 
um, so marred was his presence beyond human um, semblance, mm -hmm. and his form beyond the, that of mortals. He shall be started by many nations. So, this some have said this is kind of like a Israel, right? Israel, Israel, as a community, which we portray here as the ones who have suffered, mm -hmm. but is going to bring kind of redemption. Um, Kind of redemption to the peoples or to the nations, right? So Israel kind of suffer on behalf of the nations and by nations, the Gentile nations around them, so that they can they too can be brought into the family of God. Okay. But in the in the gospels, as we take them as an aid of interpretation, Christ is the one who suffers on everyone's behalf to bring everyone into mm -hmm. the fold of God's safety. Mm -hmm. So when you read in Isaiah, as I mentioned, the context and it's fluid. Sometimes it's an individual, sometimes it's a community that's that's taking the role or the function of this servant. Okay. Okay. So pretty much, so like you said, it's a parallel pretty much to right. Christ. Right. Okay. So then it goes on for Isaiah 54 verses one and it asks, who is the barren woman described? The barren woman described in Isaiah 54 verses one. It says, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who was a husband. Than out of her who was a husband, says the Lord. Right. So, um, as often is is, is done, um, uh, the the figure, the feminine, you know, the, the the communities or religious people or cities. Our states are described in, in, in feminine terms, right? Um, Jerusalem as a bride, um, such like this. In this way, Jerusalem again, um, the capital city is being portrayed as a barren woman. Why? Because of the destruction that took place and also because it is uninhabited, mm, right? Okay. Um, so, so Jerusalem is portrayed as this barren woman. But notice how it, it, it progresses. Though she's portrayed as a barren woman, listen to this, for the children of the desolate will be more than the children of her that is married. Enlarge the sight of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your, your stakes. What we're seeing here is that though though Israel, Jerusalem is portrayed as a barren woman, she is gonna Jerusalem is gonna experience a, a turn mm, okay. from this place of barren to, to, to plenty, to, to population. Speaking about God taking the people out of um, bondage and bringing them back to inhabit the holy city. Um, so yes, the barren woman. Um, is that is a, is, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of, a yeah, few of those. Yeah, it's a figure of speech for 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 Israel and, and there's in circumstance being um, uninhabited. Okay. 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 So the next question: Could you explain the sundial going backwards, both scientifically and spiritually? What is the significance? Hmm. Scientifically, I don't know that we can explain that. Um, if you can tell me how um, Joshua prayed and the, the and, yeah, you know, if you, if you can tell me how all those those those, those things happen, then we can explain this because this is another Miracle. miraculous yeah, yeah. Um, incident of, of God's working. Now, the, the sundial itself was um, um, research suggests that it's a, a stairs with steps. Mm -hmm. on which a shadow of a, of a standing object would be used to mark time, mm -hmm. right, you know, um, to, to mark time. Um, but the, the, the fact of the, the sundial, the role of the sundial significance in this, in this story is to 
affirm, confirm, and validate what God said would happen. So God said that um, Hezekiah would get 50 more years as a witness to God's promise and that God is a covenant-keeping God, that it would, would be done. God said this is a sign, and this sign would testify, confirm, validate what would happen. And so as as Hezekiah's health, um, declining health is reversed, mm -hmm. so the sun, you know, the shadow is being reversed also. So it, it's, it's, it's just how God works. And um, especially in the prophets, you'll see that where God uses, sends a, a prophetic word, but also sends a, a sign act or some sign to, to affirm and confirm it. What he yeah. said, what he, he will do, he will do. Definitely. Okay, so this next question I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you make of God answering Hezekiah's prayer and giving him 15 more years to live, but then during that time period, he produced a son that became the most evil king in the history of Israel? Huh, interesting. As, as we said earlier, for, you know, in, in the, in earlier in a similar question to this one, that... Um, the only reason God answered the question was, answered the prayer rather, was simply because of God's grace and mercy and God's desire to, to do that. Mm -hmm. um, now, this is a tough one, you know, because God extended his years and then he had Manasseh, and, you know, who was. When you read um, Kings, it says that, you know, Manasseh misled them to do more evil than the nations had done, and the Lord destroyed the people for Israel again. And this is in 2 Kings 21. Um, Manasseh shed very, very much innocent blood until he had filled Jerusalem from one into the other besides sin he had committed Judah to cause. So no, no question about the sin and, and the depth of the sin of Manasseh. But the question as to why God allowed him knowing, you know, giving, that's only in God's will, I would say. Um, but notice that Hezekiah himself repented um, when you read in Second Chronicles, um, it said that Hezekiah humbled himself um, for the pride of his heart and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of God had turned away from him. Mm -hmm. So, on one part, there was um, some repentance and Hezekiah's part, you know, as a part of his prayer and stuff. Um, so that might be why God specifically forgave Manasseh, not thinking about what would happen with forgive Hezekiah, not thinking about what would happen with Manasseh, mm -hmm. and. Um, there are two kind of sayings, and in the prophets, prophets too, where one says that the children would not suffer for the no, the, the parents would, would um, eat the grape and the, the children drink the wine. Or right, like that. right. Yeah. I, I don't remember how it is right now. Yeah. But um, and God says, show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments from mm -hmm. generation to generation. So when we think in in these larger in the larger context of the Bible. Um, God was dealing with Hezekiah on an individual basis, yeah. right? Um, Hezekiah, Hezekiah was what was repented, he prayed, God forgive him, and uh, Manasseh had to stand on his own ground. And it's the same thing with us right now, as, 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 uh, I, I can't, you, yeah. Matthew, in, I in, can't, in the long run, can't, can't stand, can't, you know, yeah. Be responsible for his salvation. You can train him as a parent. You can raise him up. But at the end of the day, his decisions he has to to, to, to you know give account for his own actions. And, and it's the same thing with with um, Manasseh. He had to give account for his own sins. So it's it's a good thing that God deals with us in that way sometimes because 
there are some parents who go the wrong way and children come the right way mm. and then you have parents who go the right way and children go the wrong mm. way so god is with us on an individual basis and i think that's what was happening in this case okay yeah okay so this next question it says the voice of one crying in the wilderness could this be someone else other than john the baptist and who do you think isaiah had in mind when he spoke of this figure right um so that's first of all the imagery of of one going going on to the voice in the wilderness um prepare way uh was like an uh an envoy or someone going going out to announce the arrival of an official or royalty um, and here again we are having the imagery of the exodus right because uh, when you read, let me read the text for for you in 30 it says verse 3 4 verse 3 in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for God every valley shall be lifted high every mountain shall be made low now this is pulling on the imagery of a sea that the Red Sea was parted open mm -hmm. and Israel walked through and dry land. So, at once the message is, you know, prepare a way, but it's also hearkening back to what God has had done in the Exodus okay. to give them hope in the message that would come forward. Now, this would have been um, probably a prophet in the time, mm -hmm. uh, even a prophet who was speaking in this incense, mm -hmm. um, would be that voice in the wilderness because sharing that message um, to say that. God is coming to deliver you one steps into that role already mm, okay. right and so it could be the prophet it's in this text it's not specific but a voice is crying right there is a heavenly council but then a voice cries out somehow as a prophet would cry out right but in the New Testament if we're using again the New Testament as an aid to interpretation we, we see that it's speaking to John the Baptist who would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He comes and prepares the way for Christ coming. He comes preaching the message, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent. And then Christ comes and preaches the same message. Okay. So we see John the Baptist using these words to identify himself as um, the forerunner of, of Christ would be the Messiah, this, this royal majestic figure who is coming into the world. Okay, okay. So then, okay, so the next question then says... Um, some scholars believe that Isaiah was broken up into three books with three different authors. What are your thoughts on this? And I'm curious about this one because I saw that in the Bible Project. So. Right. Um, <laughs> so this this finding is from a very scientific study of the Bible. Okay. Um, there's a science to studying the Bible, literally. Um, and, and you have different methods of interpretation um, and when you look, when, when, when studies are done closely at the language, mm -hmm. um, at reference to time, mm -hmm. um, and, and, a very, uh, and other stuff, we can identify, at least suggest, time periods in which this yeah, was written, written yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Now, based on, on facts like this that are present in the text, mm -hmm. language, idioms, so many different things, um, one can say, one can suggest or come to a conclusion that you're from different periods they're from different time periods and, and suggest that if take for instance um, slang today right. think about how people speak today versus how people spoke just 50 years right. ago you can hear right right yeah. different okay. so different different use of terms for different things um, but also take for instance um, Deuteronomy mm -hmm. Deuteronomy now will say that it was written by Moses okay. right but remember 
Moses that is is recorded in Deuteronomy. So how would Moses record his own? his own? Yeah. Right. So it's something like that. As with the Proverbs, as with the Psalms, you find that um, the prophet Isaiah may have written, but there are those who following in the school or the thought pattern or holding to the principles and teachings of Isaiah come on and contribute to his writing that has gone before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, and so what, what we find is that that's kind of the evidence that is present in this. Some some say it's two Isaiahs, some say it's three Isaiahs because of the evidences that are, are present mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. But one thing is, is certain about the book of Isaiah, there's a certain unity that cannot be missed. Okay. Right? There's yeah. a certain unity to the book. Right. right. There's a unity to the book that, that mm-hmm. cannot be missed, even though there's evidence which suggests that there are different authors contributing to it. The evidence is that we're moving from a place of punishment to a place of salvation, mm-hmm. right? Oracles of judgment to oracles of salvation. And we see where God is, is, is calling the people back, calling them back, and then we come to this place where God is bringing in a, a, new, a new peace, a new, a new exodus. So a, a unifying theme is there, even though um, there are evidences which might suggest there are multiple um, contributors to the book of, of Isaiah. I can see that, especially the the idea of like someone teaching from like a school of thought kind right, of, and then maybe right. like an almost an apprentice continuing yes, that school yes, of thought. That can, yes, I yes, can see that happening definitely. for books in the Bible. Um, okay, so this next one says, in Isaiah 53, when he predicts the suffering of Jesus, who else could the prophet have been referring to? And in a sense, we kind of answer this question. Yeah, I was right? say, yeah, yeah. yeah, in a sense, we can answer this question. But definitely, as you mentioned, it's it's a, it's a suffering servant who can be, who can represent a community or or even an individual. But as an aid to interpretation, we identify Christ as a suffering servant mm-hmm. because of what he did to bring salvation into. Israel unto all, unto all. Okay, okay. So then this next one says, in Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14, um, speak about pleasure on my holiday. What consists of pleasure on the Sabbath that the Lord does not like? All right, so this is an interesting question which we, we always come to as Sabbath keepers because mm-hmm. it's talking about Sabbath observance. Um, but there are two texts that I want to do a quick comparison of to highlight kind of what this idea of own pleasure or own interests. Um, so verse 3 says, why do we fast but do not see? Why we humble ourselves but do not notice? Look, you serve your own interests on your fast day. Hmm. Verse 13, if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests in my holy day, if you call the Sabbath to the light and the holy of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not doing your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs. Now, while there is not specificity as to what, say, maybe, and I don't want to throw anything in here to, to, to color how we think about it, but there are no specific items, but what, what is clear is that there their interests included self-interest, mm, mm-hmm. right? Because as they're fasting, um, as we read down in verse four, you fast to quarrel, to fight, to strive for the wicked. You um, you you don't feed the hungry. You don't do some stuff like that. So, in this sense, pursuing one's own interests plus pursuing own one's pleasure was more about uh, pursuing, as it is, one one self-interest. One wasn't looking out for the other, right? Because in 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 this instance, 
Sabbath is, is brought into this idea of worship, what worship God accepts, mm -hmm. right? And the worship God accepts, the fast that God accepts is the one that attends to the needs and the, the, the cares of others, right? As we see outlined in the chapter, which you know we have read so many times, right? It is breaking the yoke, it is sharing the bread of the hunger, it is clothing the naked, it is housing the homeless, right? Mm -hmm. These are the things that are essential for Sabbath observance. Now, when we go into the New Testament as an eight interpretation again, mm -hmm. most of there are a number of miracles that Jesus did on the Sabbath, which Jesus was, was you know, um, chastised for. Yeah. But Jesus said it was good to do good on the Sabbath yeah. day. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of seeking our own pleasure, if it is, here's how I would say it: if it is only for my good, then it is not worth doing on the Sabbath. If, if you're thinking about someone else's interest, if you're looking after the good of someone else, then it falls in line with this principle of honoring and worshiping God um, as to how God desires. Hmm. I could go. I could go on with that one for a while. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> the, 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 yeah, yeah. The, the key is the key is yeah. compassion. Yeah. The key is compassion. Okay. And when Jesus Christ was doing a lot of stuff, a lot of miracles in the New Testament. We hear it says he was moved by compassion, okay. right? So that's that's the key element about Sabbath observance. Um, he spoke about if someone's ox or something fall in a pit or something, yeah. you know, it's an animal. It, it, it's a life worth saving, yeah. right? It's someone's livelihood. Mm -hmm. So it's about compassion. If we if this, we do it in the spirit of compassion rather than selfishness, then we are avoiding this idea of pursuing our own interests. Okay. Okay. That's clear. All right, and I actually have one last question, hmm. and it says, could you explain what it means um, in Isaiah 59 of the Spirit of the Lord, when it says the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard? Right. So here again, God is being portrayed as a warrior coming in on behalf of Israel to, to free them um, and to bring judgment to, to, to the other nations, right? So God comes in as this this warrior. Now the text, if you depending on the version which you read it in, it will say a standard. Other texts will, will put it another way for us to, you know, get a better understanding. So let me read from another version for you. Okay. From the NRSV. Um, those who uh, verse nineteen. So those in the west shall fear the name of the Lord, and those in the east his glory. For he will come like a pent up stream mm -hmm. that the wind of the Lord drives. Mm. Right? So here it is. You know, so I've, you've seen a dam before, right? Mm -hmm. There's this, uh, the, the, the reason why it has to be enforced is because of the force of the water. So right? Yeah. And so the kind of image that's been used here is that God is going to come in like a mighty flood. Mm. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not just like a mighty flood, but a flood that has broken its barrier and is also being pushed by a mighty wind. Mm. Okay. So when it says God's going to raise up a standard, that's what it's talking about. God's going to come in like this. this warrior who comes in like a mighty rushing f flood but also it has again the force of wind driving it so it's talking about god's intervention how it will be drastic it will be um bringing in judgment but also salvation for for the israelites mercy yeah okay <laughs> mercy yeah okay well that is actually that was actually the last question that the viewers had so just to conclude um, next week we're going to be reading Isaiah 60 to Jeremiah 14 so if you can begin reading those chapters and just be prepared and as you're studying make sure you text any questions that you have to 
Um, and just one tip that we keep mentioning week after week because it is very important is try to read a little bit every day as opposed to trying to maybe cram it all in just before you know um, the questions are due because that's the, that way you actually do absorb a little bit of what's going on and then by the time you watch this episode the episode that explains your questions it, it really just simply sinks in um, so next week our hosts will be Miss LaVon Brown and Pastor Marsh so as, as people prepare for this next one, Pastor McCoy, what can people expect to read as they're going through Isaiah 60 through Jeremiah 14? Right, so we're going to see um, another prophet, um, God's working through another prophet. Um, in Isaiah, we're going we're gonna to close up with this kind of a utopic scene um, where, the, where the Messiah or the servant is going to come and reign in peace and bring in peace for God's people. And then we're going to go as if we're going back to the beginning of Isaiah, but it's Jeremiah, okay. right? Okay. Where God calls this 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 prophet, and and he has to serve a, a stiff-necked people, <laughs> right? Boy. And um, yeah, yeah, he, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, so um, it's it's we're, we're going again into the major prophets. So Isaiah is the first of the major prophets, and we're going into Jeremiah, which is the second, um, which will take us again into the backgrounds of how God's people were. What brought them into to, to, to captivity and how God was speaking to them and leading them out of captivity. Okay. Okay. So, so as we mentioned, um, when you're studying, make sure you are reading with your families and friends and coworkers, inviting them. And again, don't be shy. Text your questions to 954-388-8780. Um, Pastor McCoy, I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for hosting with me. <laughs> thank you. Absolutely. Anytime. And thank you, viewers, for being here week after week and just studying the Bible with us. Um, so again, just remember to subscribe to Plantation SDA's um, YouTube channel. That way you can be automatically notified when any new episodes or any live streams pop up. Um, and that's it. That's what we've got for you today. Pastor McCoy, could you pray to close for us? Yes, for indeed. God, we thank you so much that you what you did before you can do again. And we're thinking about the Exodus, how you you um, liberated the Israelites back in Egypt and you did it in Babylon but even today your power is available to liberate us from sin may you do this work of saving our souls we pray in Jesus name Amen, Amen. Plantation SDA Church presents the Bible Unmasked read your Bible daily join us every Sunday at 7.30pm for our weekly discussion from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with the Bible Unmasked.